Once again, good morning, and um, I know things are not completely all the way back to normal yet, and I know there's a big question mark on all that, but um, it is good to be back in our sanctuary, and um, it is good to be back in here and worshiping in this room again, and uh, I do want to go ahead real quick and uh, bring to, to the fact that... Um, there's going to be still be some uh, some renovations in here, so it's it's not going to look the same, but um, but it's still going to be used for for the purpose that that it's here. So once again, I'm very excited to be back in the sanctuary, and I'm sure all of you are too. I don't know about the rest of you, but um, but since March, um, and. Some of us have had uh, the opportunity to learn some things since we, uh, some of us have had just a little bit more time on our hands. We've read some things and educated our, our, ourselves, ourselves on some things that um, we've had us more time to do. And um, during this time, there's, I've brushed up on history and uh, read some facts about certain animals that, uh, that I didn't know of before and, um, and read all these different historical events that happened and um, believe it or not a lot of these facts and 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 historical things that I've read have, have opened up some good opportunities to share in teaching and one of these um, historical facts that I read I'm going to share about this morning but did you guys know in in, in the country of Switzerland in the city of, of Basel there is a festival that goes on every year where the Protestant townspeople of, of the city will all don masks and, and they'll go around the whole city throughout the whole festival. And during this time, they will go places and do things that they would not do under normal circumstances. So in other words, in, in this festival, they do whatever they want to do, right or wrong. And you see, by wearing the mask, <clears throat> it, it veils their identity and gives them the courage and the confidence to do these things without the fear of reprisals or consequences, or so they think. And one year, the Salvation Army was, uh, was bothered by this because they were concerned about the abandonment of, of moral standards. So they decided to put up signs all over the city that read, God sees behind the mask. This was reported in 1983. 37 years ago. And I find it interesting now that we are wearing masks for another reason. And it's even caused arguments between lawmakers and politicians and sadly even Christians. And those masks aside, and um, I bet some of us do not realize it, but would you believe me if I told you that some of us wear masks every Sunday morning and have been long before COVID-19? I'm not talking about those little cloth masks or some of the cool masks that I see people wear. I mean, whenever 2020 first started, did you ever believe that we would ever be telling people how, how much we, we liked their mask? 
I would have never thought it. And of course, it makes us smile now. But those are not the masks I'm talking about. I'm talking about the masks that we put on sometimes every day that hides our pain. The smile that we wear that hides our pain or, or trying to hide a mistake we made, a secret sin, or something that we are just not wanting to face or, or we want others to know about. Maybe some of us even wake up on Sunday mornings at times and how many of us would rather just stay in bed? Just not get the day started. How many of us would rather stay home? How many of us would rather be somewhere else? Have there ever been times when we have feeling of shame or the overwhelming guilt or feeling un uncomfortable, embarrassed, or maybe even unfit to be sitting in church. And what we do with our lifestyles are indeed in and of themselves. However, but when we come to church and we present a, a false picture of ourselves, when we wear a spiritual mask, are we bringing glory and honor to God by doing that? And when it comes to bringing praise, glory, and honor to God, I think the Apostle Paul said it best. Because you see, in our text today, he not only tells us how to do this, but also he tells us some things not to do. And I feel this is very important since we are Christians, are called to be set apart, to live differently than others, to live differently to non-Christians. Non our text today is 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 23. It, it starts off like this. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. So when we glorify God, how do we glorify God? Well, this morning I'm going to share two strategies that, that we can all work together towards as a congregation so we can all get a better idea of, of how we ourselves can glorify God. The first strategy this morning is that we glorify God by pursuing real wisdom. Okay? We glorify God when we pursue real wisdom. Verses 18 through 20 again says in our text, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are futile. What the Apostle Paul is emphasizing here is the superiority of God's wisdom compared to the fallible knowledge of man. God's knowledge 
far supersedes ours. Paul's main point here is that we ought to focus on allegiance to Christ and his will, on God's will, rather than being divided over loyalty to different human ideals or, or agendas. And also, Paul is summing up wonderfully uh, about what he had been teaching on wisdom and foolishness from earlier in, in the letter. And John has done a great, do a great job teaching that from chapters 1 and 2. But you see, Paul is now urging his readers, the, uh, the people of Corinth, and even us today, to not allow ourselves to be deceived or fooled. And he is warning the people in Corinth and us to check our assumptions about what is true and what is false. I wonder sometimes if we as Americans today need to check ourselves. As Christians, do we need to check ourselves about what we believe, what is true, what is false? And are we ourselves easily deceived? Again, verse 18 says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. I wonder if the Apostle Paul is being sarcastic here. You think he is? Of, of course the, uh, the Christians in Corinth were considering some, they were considering themselves wise in the ways of the world and that was their problem because you, because you see they were seeking worldly wisdom. Rather than pursuing what Jesus had taught, rather than pursuing the gospel, they were perceiving worldly wisdom. That, that's what they were pursuing. And Paul here is warning them and us about the danger of that. To be wise in this age. Or wise by the standards of the world. And, and as he taught earlier, the wisdom of the world is limited to what can be observed by human senses and and, and what can be worked out based on those observations. God's wisdom far su su supersedes ours. And I know sometimes that's why it's hard to understand. But Paul is warning us the danger of this. So what does it mean to be wise according to, to this age? To, to be wise according to human measure and wisdom. And he's telling us that, uh, that we must uh, become a fool so, uh, so we can be wise. I find this interesting. And I wonder if Paul is asking the Christians in Corinth, and, and once again, even us this morning, to renounce all worldly wisdom, humanism, or man-centered philosophy, and be willing to even be called a fool or look foolish to others. It's what it sounds like to me. Because if we are not willing to be considered a fool by those who value only human wisdom, then are, then are we truly ever able to become wise? I'm getting ready to, uh, uh, to explain all this. We need to remember that human wisdom changes. Human wisdom changes 
just like our feelings. I preached that once. Our, our feelings change. Our feelings cannot always be trusted. And human wisdom changes just like our feelings. Human wisdom is also very emotional. And it can be manipulated by what is going on around us. You see, godly wisdom does not change at all. God's word does not change at all. God does not change. I wonder if it would be wiser to hold true to what it says in God's word than what we observe ourselves in society. And still, I know it's tempting to, to, uh, to want to be, th uh, uh, be thought of as wise to others, especially those that we feel are, are influential or respected or powerful. But we might be tempted to prove that we agree with, with their understanding of the world, so they will in turn give us the respect and admiration that we ourselves are craving. As some of you well know, I've always been a big Star Wars fan. Of course, ever since I was little, I've watched the movies over and over and over and over. And I'm sure my mom and dad can definitely attest to that. But um, I feel that this quote in, in episode four of Star Wars, A New Hope, this is what Obi-Wan Kenobi had to say. And I feel that it's very fitting. And, and, and I think this is something that we all need to think about, including myself. But who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? How easily are, are we deceived? You see, Paul warns that we must become fools in the eyes of the world according to the wisdom of, of this time and place. And the only way to truly be wise is to receive God's wisdom itself that comes only by the revelation in his word because of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, God's wisdom leads to vastly different conclusions than, than the wisdom of man. Romans 1.18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. He also says in, 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 in Romans chapter 1, the same chapter, but, but down to verses 22 and 23, Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. What the Apostle Paul is not saying here is he's not meaning actual ignorance, actual silliness. He's not telling us to actually go out and act foolish. He's not saying that at all. But, but what he is saying is that we need to have the willingness to follow God's truth even when the ungodly thinks it's absurd or unpopular. Are we as Christians willing to look foolish? Because not everybody is, believes what we believe. We as Christians specifically, if we are instructing others, must be willing to look foolish according to the world standards. For if we hope to lead others towards the true wisdom of God, we need to be set apart. 
The Pharisees thought that Jesus was foolish. They thought he was out of his mind. Jesus' own family thought he, he was out of his mind. All because he was teaching the truth. He was teaching God's way. And the Pharisees were not. 1 Corinthians 3.20 again says, And again the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are futile. Are we willing to look foolish because we are not doing what everyone else is doing? It's like the old saying goes, What is right is not always popular, and what is popular is not always right. We glorify God by standing up for what is right. We glorify God by pursuing real wisdom. That's the first strategy this morning. The second strategy this morning is we bring glory to God when we pursue His approval. We bring glory to God when we pursue His approval and His alone. In our text, verses 21 through 23 again says, So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and the Christ is God's. How prone are we to put all our faith in other people? To glory in men, as Scripture says. How many of us get more excited about being with the influential and famous and more well thought of uh, of the world rather than being with God or God's people? And we, and we value the gifts and honors of men over the gifts that God has bestowed upon us. The honors in which He has given us. Do we need to learn that, that we should not glory in men? Paul also tells us in Galatians 1.10, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. The, and the prophet Jeremiah even very bluntly said this in chapter 17 verse 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and, and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Paul seems like he's a little bit bothered here. Seems like something's bothering him in this letter. In the King James Version, he makes the point to say, to say I am of Paul or I am of Apollos. In other words, he is insinuating having a view that is too narrow, too constricted. Because you see, both Paul and Apollos belong to you. The whole universe is yours in Christ. He even made a comment about death and, and the future. Paul was bothered by this because they were so focused on their teachers and not on someone else who their focus should have been. 
who had conquered death, who was in control of their future. Acts chapter 12. I love Acts chapter 12 because we read about the chains just falling off, Peter. And I'm going to share two verses here. And how he was led through the gate that, that by itself led into real freedom. Let me paint this, this picture for you. King Herod had just had James executed. He had just had one of the apostles executed and he had captured Peter and was getting ready to bring him out. I wonder what Peter was doing the night before. I find this interesting. In Acts chapter 12, verse 6, it tells us, Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Peter was being heavily guarded and was about to face King Herod. What was he doing? He was asleep. You want to know why I find that interesting? Because how many of us, on the night before something stressful was going to happen, we were getting ready to face a king who did not like us at all, or face a very stressful situation, how many of us would be able to sleep, and sleep very soundly, much less relax, under the same circumstance? How many of us would be up late worrying about it? But what happens next is another reminder of the gospel. It says in, in, in verse 7, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. How many of us right now are feeling the weight of, of our chains because we're dealing with something. That we're dealing with something and we don't know how to ask for help for. Maybe we're hiding something. Do we want freedom? Do we want our chains to fall off? Are we ready to be free? Who leads us to real freedom? The one who leads us to that leads us to real freedom is Jesus himself. And this is what Paul was so adamant about. This is why he was so disturbed in, in uh, verse 21. Because you see, the people in Corinth were too focused on the Apostle Paul and on Apollos and Cephas. They were so focused on, on their teachers and how they were their followers rather than focusing on who they were supposed to be pursuing. And this bothered Paul, because he did not want them to look to himself or, or to Apollos. He wanted them to look to Christ. Should we ourselves today, uh, should, should we learn from this? Should we pursue those who introduced us and taught us about Jesus? Or should we pursue Jesus himself? Are we trying to impress others, or are we trying to glorify God? And the Apostle Paul did great things, and he was very zealous about seeking and saving the lost. He was very passionate about this, about spreading the gospel, and even making sure that other Christians were not only following the gospel, 
but doing what they were supposed to be doing. He was very zealous about this, and, and we can tell that in Scripture. However, he was still human. And he wanted them to understand that. He was still human. Because he is not able to save anyone. There is only one who is able to save us. This is what Jesus had to say in John 14, 5 through 7. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. We all want freedom. But we need to ask ourselves, as we go through our daily lives, are we seeking the wrong Savior? Are we seeking the approval of others? Are we too worried about what other men and women think of us? Can they save us? We put on chains when, when, when we put on our spiritual masks. And when we put on pretend smiles. And I'm so glad that we do this every Sunday morning. And, and, and I feel it's important. But when you entered in, in the church today, did, did someone ask how you were doing or tell you that it was good to see you? I did the same. P people asked the same of me. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to say that we need to quit doing that. I'm going to say that's a good thing. We need to be doing that. But what I also want to add is it's all right to give an honest answer. Because some of us, maybe we've not had a good week. Maybe something is bothering us. And like I said, it's okay to give an honest answer and say, you know, I've had a tough week. It's okay to say, I've suffered a setback. It's okay to say, I just really need to be here. Or I don't feel like I'm worthy to be here. And that might even spark a much needed conversation that needs to be had between us and, and, and another believer. Can, can you think of a relationship that could be strengthened between two believers who are seeking the same approval? We bring glory to God when we pursue His approval. But by doing that, we've got to take the masks off. In conclusion this morning, I found a poem by uh, Paul Lawrence Dunbar. And it's simply called, We Wear the Mask. And what this poem talks about is, it's referring to people who hide their true feelings and, and emotions behind a mask. And in the poem, he refers to the cheerful facial expression that, uh, that people think is necessary so people don't see how they truly feel. The poem goes like this. We wear the mask 
that grins and lies. It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. This debt we pay to human guile. With torn and bleeding hearts we smile. And mouth and myriad subtleties. Why should the world be ever wise in counting all our tears and sighs? Nay, let them only see us while we wear the mask. We smile, but oh, our cries to thee from tortured souls arise. We sing, but oh, the clay is vile beneath our feet and long the mile. And let the world dream otherwise. We wear the mask. That poem sounds depressing, doesn't it? Sounds sad. But are we wearing a mask? And when I say that we need to be honest with one another and how we need to get a conversation started between each other, I'm going to share something else I've read during all this craziness since March. And it's brought me a lot of encouragement. And, it, and it's been a reminder how much Christian and godly relationships are so important. As Proverbs 27:17 says, as, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. This old saying goes, In the darkest of night, when the demons come, call on me, brother and we'll fight them together. Or call on me sister, and we'll fight them together. We're not alone. We're all dealing with something. We all have bad days. We all have bad weeks. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. And I'll be honest with you, I'm guilty of trying to seek the, uh, uh, the approval of others. And I'm even guilty of trying to seek wisdom in, in places that we're not really wise. <clears throat> but we're all in the same boat together. But the good news is, we serve a Savior who died for us. Who loves us just the way we are. But he's not going to leave us there. He wants to take those chains off. He wants to free us. And I know that we're all facing something at some time in our lives. But guess what? We face it together. We've all been saved by Jesus. Are we ready to take those masks off? Those masks that we wear that hides our pain, our mistakes, our secret sins. We need to be able to move forward so, so that we can help each other glorify God. And how do we do that? We glorify God when we pursue real wisdom and when we pursue His approval. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now thanking you first and above all for Jesus and what he's done for each and every one of us. And Father God, help us all to stand united as your children, as one body. Lord, guide us to 
guide us to you together. Help us to encourage one another and build each other up. Help us all to focus on you. Help us to look for godly wisdom. Wisdom that comes from your word. Not, not what is going on around us. Help us to seek you. Help us to be willing to, to be thought that we're foolish because we're doing what's right. And, and, and may we bring honor to you by doing so. Help us, help us to seek your approval. Not to be concerned about the approval of others, but to seek your approval. Because your approval is perfect. Your will is perfect. Thank you for everyone here. And thank you, Lord, because of your precious Son. Our chains are gone. We've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing an invitation hymn. In in just a couple moments, Dwayne's going to continue his... um, He's playing uh, uh, for, a few mo- uh, for a few moments so, so we can have a couple of moments of reflection and meditation. But then I'm going to come back up and, and uh, we're going to sing an, an, an invitation hymn. Are we seeking the wrong Savior or is it time to seek the Savior? Are, are we pursuing the wrong goals in life? What a better way to start than today.